Welcome back to another episode of Understanding. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding. So. Did you get that? I'm so confused. You only understand train station? It's all Greek to me. Understanding train station. Living between cultures with Josh and Phelan. Welcome back to another episode of Understanding Trace. Oh my god, this is not a good start. <laughs> hey Josh, I think that it's a Freudscher Versprecher, because I feel like you keep sending strand, so like strand. I think nah, you... <laughs> you think so? <laughs> you need vacation. You said understanding. <laughs> well, I, I think we, we could just give it up for this week. You guys know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes. Um, what does strand in... English mean again. That also has a meaning, right? That word. To be stranded somewhere? To strand but, someone but somewhere? But is there also a noun? Yeah. Strand? Uh, no? Am I getting strand, that confused? No, I think you're right. There's a strand. Like you can have a strand of something. It's like a, a small string. Okay. I think like a thread almost. Okay. Now I'm intrigued. I, I thought I had like looked this up before where like the word strand, mm -hmm. which of course, so in German, strand, it's spelled the same as strand, uh, means beach. Of course, The English word for that isn't strand, it's beach, but I thought I looked it up before and it had some other meaning. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, let me know. I'm pretty sure it's like a, a piece of string. No, that can't be right. No one says that. Okay, so apparently it's literary Irish. Um, it also means like a beach. Oh, okay. Maybe, it's, yeah, maybe it's just like a, you know, old fashioned kind of English or another from another English dialect, a word for beach. No, but it's, I think it's also, one second, a thin thread of something, often one of a few, twisted around each other to make a string or a rope. Okay. She tucked a loose strand of hair behind her ears. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Str okay. What am I saying? Of course, it's a normal word. <laughs> a strand of hair, yeah. Um, maybe we need to do some tongue twisters to warm up, Josh. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, we're the ones... <laughs> I think I'm going to link that for this episode. We actually have two videos um, from oh, like yeah, two years right. ago where you oh and I gosh. did German and English tongue twisters together. That was back um, in my old apartment. Yeah. That was really funny. What, what's my favorite English tongue twister? Or like the one that I think is the hardest? What's the Peter one Piper with the pepper? A of, yeah. yeah, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. A peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. A peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked. Mm -hmm. That? Okay. But I, that was a very I smooth. A, I don't, what was, I think my favorite German one was the Dich de Fisch. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it That's gets dirty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember that one. Yeah, uh, something in with Fichten, Fichten, in, in Dichten, Fichten, Sitzen, die Dicke, Finken, Fichten, die or Dick, Finken. Die Dicke. Yeah. I Dicke, Finken. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to a new episode of Understanding Train Station. Yes. We hope we that um, maybe your day is going a little bit more structured than ours is. As you can tell, we're kind of all over the place. Um, but I feel like that has been our vibe for the last year and a half, ever since we started this podcast. Um, today, though, we're actually... apologizing for it. <laughs> yeah, we're not apologizing for it anymore. <laughs> um, today, we're actually going to talk about a... I mean, this might also be a chaotic topic, but it's kind of a more serious topic, I feel like, in a way, or it can get serious. It's a topic that I've been in touch with ever since I came to the U.S., I feel like, because basically it still happens sometimes, but it especially happened back in the day because I think I just met so many new people. Whenever I meet someone and then they're kind of confused by my name or by my accent or something, and then I like go and, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm German, 
<laughs> people, mm-hmm. especially here in the Cincinnati area, would answer all the time with, oh, I'm German too. That's so cool. And it'd be like, wait, what are you, where are you from? They'd be like, oh, I'm here from Cincinnati. And I was like, wait, but you just said you're German. And of course, what they mean is that their ancestry is German yeah. because that's a huge thing for Americans is like talking about their ancestry and like identifying with their ancestry. Was that a word? Identifying by? Identifying through. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, prepositions are hard for you. Well, Identici- they make their yes, ancestry it, part of, of their. They make their ancestry part of their identity. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Um, so people will also say, "I'm Irish. I'm Italian," even though you know that means that their great 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 grandparents were Italian, or even if it was just their great grandparents. Um, I feel like in Germany we wouldn't phrase it like that. We just wouldn't say, "Ich bin Italiener" or "Ich bin Ire" or "Ich bin Irish." Yeah. Um, if your great-grandparents were from that country, you would say, um, you would just say it like that. You would just say, my great-grandparents were from there, or I have mm-hmm. some Irish DNA, or you would phrase it differently. And it's just funny how Americans phrase it like that. So that's kind of the topic that we want to talk about today. But before we get more into that, to all of you guys who have travel plans coming up this summer, because it's June now, summer is here. I know it's also nice in Germany, or at least every now and then it's nice. The weather in Germany really isn't that reliable in the I was summer. Say, right now it's not particularly nice, but, <laughs> but it's, it, it was has, nice a couple it days has ago. Been, yeah. <laughs> um, So yeah, for all of you who have some cool travels um, lined up this summer and you still would like to improve your language skills for that, specifically for English, Spanish, French, or German, you can do that now with the Lingoda Sprint. They have that Sprint Challenge going on again, and it's an intensive language learning challenge where you can get your language skills to the next level within just two months, so 60 days. You can either pick the normal sprint, the regular sprint, where you take 15 classes a month for those two months. And then if you do that and you follow through and you follow all of the requirements, you can even get up to 50% off your money back. So that's a whole extra layer of motivation. Or you can do the super sprint, which is even more intense. So like it's kind of a time commitment, but it'll also definitely pay off. And it's that you take 30 classes a month for those two months for 60 days. And then if you follow through with that and follow all through requirements, you can actually get all of your money back. So 100% cash back. Which is a huge advantage compared to other language learning opportunities. Yeah. I mean, to be able to learn a language for free, if you just stick to it, that's that's a great, great opportunity. So if you're interested, they also have a, a plethora. There's a fancy word for you. Um, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> a lot. Um They have quite a few different language options. So if you are interested in learning a language, they offer English, business English, Spanish, French, and German. So the people who are listening to this podcast, if you guys want to understand our German bits uh, that we do sometimes, make sure you check out the German version. But we encourage you guys checking out any language as well. Lingoda is also great because they're super flexible. Classes are available 24-7, so you'll always be able to find a class um, that fits with your time frame. Your course as well, you get to choose the courses that you want to take and design your own experience. And you're always learning from native level speakers as well. So it's a great, great opportunity. If you guys are interested and want to sign up, make sure that you use our code. It's UTSJUNE, and it will help you save 20 euros or $25 off of the deposit. You'll find all of that information in the description box below the video and also in the show notes if you're listening on a purely 
podcast audio version. <laughs> yeah, and our link is also in in there. So like, just click on that link, use the code, save the money, and then if you follow through with it, you'll be able to probably have a full on conversation in. The language of your choice, hopefully German, of course, but I could also maybe understand it if your summer vacation is leading you to a Spanish-speaking country. <laughs> that would probably make more sense than Germany. But uh, what I'm trying to say, yeah, if you follow through with it, you'll probably be able to have a full-on conversation or at least a basic conversation in that language in two months. And I mean, you know how fast two months go by. How crazy would that be if in two months your language skills are at a whole other level? So check out Lingoda down below. And now let's get back into our ancestry topic. topic. So as I just said, it's a huge deal in the US. And I mean, you're American, Josh. So yeah. um, I feel like you probably have a lot to say about this. Yeah. I mean, when you were explaining the experience with people telling you, oh, I'm German, like, The word Fremdschämen somewhat comes to, <laughs> to mind. Secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's just a way of speaking, you know? That's the way that people in the U.S. refer to their heritage. Yeah. And it's different than many other parts of the world, but it has to do with the fact that there were so many immigrants that have come to the U.S. Yeah. Um, that it's just the way that people identify themselves because there were these communities of Germans, these communities of Italians, and they, that, that really was the way they identified themselves. For, yeah, of course. So it wasn't weird for people to say, oh, I'm German, I'm Irish. So when I was younger, I would refer to myself as half German, half Irish. Right. Um, and that's a very common thing, I feel like. Yeah. For, like from a German perspective, I would think, oh, what's what's your background or what's your nationality? Of course, you're American. I'm German. Yeah. You're American. And that happens all the time that people will say kind of like you said, oh, I'm I'm, half, I'm like a quarter British, a quarter uh -huh. Irish, half Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was it was something that I was like proud not proud of but like i thought it was cool i enjoyed knowing that part of my heritage and knowing that okay i had ancestors that came from this country and ancestors that came from this country and now we live in the u.s um but now since i live outside of the u.s and have more international friends that come from cultures where you don't obviously speak like that about your heritage um i now say i'm american with ancestry that is german and irish mm -hmm. uh, i think sometimes my irish co-workers Uh, that I have based in Dublin uh, roll their eyes when I talk about it uh, because that's like a stereotype of the Irish because they say, oh, the Americans, they always say, oh, I'm Irish too. So it's pretty yeah. much the same same experience that you have, um, but just from the Irish perspective as well. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, because it's something that a lot of people are interested in but don't necessarily know um, what their her heritage is, There's been like this industry that has arose um, with Ancestry.com and things like 23andMe where people can send in their DNA um, and have it analyzed yeah. uh, to figure out where they're from, which I actually did that, which in hindsight, I'm like, mm, should I have done that just because I don't know if I want some random corporation having my DNA too late now. Um But I feel like, I don't know if it's most Americans, probably not, but like, I feel like out of all of the Americans I know, to me, it feels like most of them actually have actually done it. I'm sure it's not the majority of the entire population who has done one of those yeah, tests, but I feel like anecdotal. most people have some kind of idea, even if it's maybe their dad has done it and their mom has done it, then they don't really have to do it anymore. They kind of like know. Um, but yeah, that's a very common thing here. And it can lead to some awkward situations as well within families, like people finding out they have brothers that they didn't know or siblings that they didn't know or finding out they were adopted. Like there it has led to some interesting family conversations that I think people don't necessarily consider when they do that type of testing, which is just kind of, uh, yeah, surprise. 
I've heard tons of those stories <laughs> or people thought that they were of a certain ancestry and then they had like zero percent of that ancestry in their blood and they were like wait is my whole like identity what I thought was my identity is that all mm -hmm. a lie like where does that come from um, where is that misunderstanding that so like someone in my grandparents or great-grandparents generation like cheat and I'm not like someone wasn't even the biological child of who they thought they were like you know things like that so that's like a whole crazy thing I get asked this all the time too if I have done a DNA test mm -hmm. um, which is it's funny because I've only ever been asked this by Americans or on YouTube by like people who comment on my channel where like of course I can't really tell if they're American or not um, but only ever English speaking comments so this has never been really a thing for me growing up in Germany, and I've also never been asked this by Germans what my ancestry is. What I have been asked growing up, um, because I went to school in a pretty diverse area of Munich, um, where we had a lot of people with a migration background, as we say in Germany. I, I was going to say that that was one point I wanted to bring up. I find this, <laughs> yeah. when, they, when Germans say that in English, it just sounds so like wrong. It's kind of hard. I don't know how you it. would... Yeah, that's how we say it, like Migrationshintergrund. Yeah. So basically meaning people who either were born in another country and then immigrated to Germany, whether that was by choice or because they were refugees, or it also means that it may have been their parents and they were actually born in Germany, but they grew up in a household that had a different culture. So that's mm -hmm. kind of what that means. Sometimes you still use that word, I think, um, if it's the third generation. So if their grandparents were from that country, I'm sure there is actually a um, definition. Definition, yeah, an official definition of like when you can still use that. That's kind of my impression, like how we use that word. I think sometimes it can still be used when it's third generation. But basically what I'm trying to say is that I would sometimes be asked where I'm from because um, people on YouTube say this a lot, but also people um, in my environment would say that growing up that I don't look super German. And since mm -hmm. I was surrounded by a lot of people from uh, the Balkan Balkans? Balkans. Balkans um, and, you know, Turkey and Middle East and like all these other countries, Asian countries, um, people sometimes weren't quite sure if I was, you know, if, if I was like one of those people not. as well. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you know, I look a little bit Eastern European. So I would get that question, but it was never, it wasn't phrased the same way as in the US. Like even in that case, it would be like, where are you from or where are your parents from? But it would never be... Um, what are you or like what's your ancestry mm -hmm. or what's your heritage what's your dna like that really and that's something that was kind of the main points that it written down for this episode it's crazy to me because i feel like germans and americans um think in different categories in this regard and i feel like it makes mm -hmm. sense because of what you said earlier like everyone in the u.s except for native americans of course came from somewhere else at some point and it wasn't too long ago in history it was like mm -hmm. a few centuries ago sometimes only a, a couple centuries or even just one century ago for some people yeah because there were a lot of wars in, in europe in the recent history so yeah i mean people, and there's still immigrants coming yeah, of course. Exactly. So um, that's just a big part. Like people, of course, want to know where they're from because it could be from all over the world. For like a European like me, of course, we it's easier for us to trace things back anyways, because usually those records are still there unless they were like destroyed by the war. But for Americans, in a lot of cases, people just left their country. Let's say even if it's a German immigrant, they would have just left Germany, gotten onto a ship in H Hanover or somewhere there, traveled over to, to the U.S., 
And then they didn't really bring their documents over or like a lot of the stuff wasn't really properly documented. What was documented was like when they arrived in the U.S., but a lot mm -hmm. of the stuff from before then gets lost. So like it kind of makes sense why Americans have to rely more on like the whole DNA testing, mm -hmm. whereas in Europe we can usually we have those that information available yeah. anyways. And if we wanted to, we could trace it back way more easily. And usually families kind of already have that common knowledge that, oh, one of your great-great-grandparents was from this country because they just mm -hmm. know that it's just been um, communicated throughout the generations. So to us, that that fascination just isn't there as much because m in most cases, as I said, we know, but also even if we don't know, we can kind of assume that it's from that general area. Like, mm -hmm. that most people, probably our ancestors didn't travel through the entire world. It's They were probably from, like, the same region we're from or maybe a neighboring country or, yeah. you know, not, like, a huge difference. And for some reason, it doesn't matter as much to us. And I'm saying this from a modern German point of view because, mm -hmm. of course, there was a time and those people, of course, still exist and those ideologies still exist. Um, we're like, that does matter to some people. And of course, it used to matter a lot during the Nazi regime um, that you had to be a pure German and pure German blood and all that bullshit. Like, yeah. sorry, I have to say it like that. And that's also probably one of the reasons why we kind of nowadays don't talk about that at all anymore, because mm -hmm. we have had so such bad experiences with all of that, that that's kind of just been something that we've completely pushed out of our um think way of thinking um and i feel like maybe some americans when i say it like that won't believe me but before i came to the us i really didn't really think about what my my dna is or what my my you know my genes are i didn't care about that all i cared about and i feel like most other germans and europeans in my generation care about is like when they meet someone is where are you from so like basically where were you can you say culturized no that's no, not a word uh, where did you grow up basically <laughs> yeah where where did you grow up with culture did you grow up with mm -hmm. and which language do you speak so kind of to yeah. just like of course you still put people in categories in a way but i feel like that is the more relevant question nowadays maybe even religion in some cases mm -hmm. um but to me and we don't have to get into this right away. I just want to drop it, drop the bomb. Yeah. The whole topic of race specifically, mm -hmm. which that's that's even that's goes beyond ancestry. That's like a whole different thing. But I just <laughs> want to yeah. mention it because I'm already kind of talking about it. the whole um, idea of race has never been. It never existed in my head. And when I first mm. came to the U.S., I really had to learn this and adapt to this, that this is a thing here. A lot of about it shocked me, um, but I also learned that given the American history, it's important to also recognize these things. That's a very big difference. And what I mean by that is that in Germany, we, given our history, we don't really um, speak about human races anymore. And the yeah. German word Rasse has been completely banned. You only use that word when talking about animal breeds because... It might be a coincidence or maybe also not. Um, the word Rasse um, use, was used for both mm -hmm. human races and animal races, where like in English, at least you have that differentiation between race yeah. and breed. Um, but I think that's also why that word is already kind of degrading. And then, of course, the, all the historical connotations, like obviously make this like a very bad and degrading way of talking about 
people and humans. Um, and so basically, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up and give you a chance to respond. And like, we can go back to the ancestry thing. I have mm -hmm. more to say on this topic. But basically, what I was trying to say is that color of skin or like putting people into a race category was never a thing for me um, growing up in Germany. And I said earlier, some Americans might maybe think that I'm lying or something. And I don't when I say, oh, I don't see color of skin. But I really didn't in that way. Like, I, of course, I would notice if someone has a darker skin tone than me. But that, for me, that could have meant anything. That could have meant that they're from Asia, that they're from Southern Europe, that they're from the Middle East, that they're from maybe the U.S., that they're from Africa. Like, it really, like, that really didn't mean anything to me. Of course, that would maybe raise a question in my head or, oh, they have, like, an interesting background that's probably different than mine because they don't look completely white. But I wouldn't have been able to be like, oh, you're half Latino, half African-American or like, mm. you know, anything along those lines. When I first came to the U.S., I was shocked how not only it's required by public on public forms, such as the American census or when you really take any kind of survey or sign up for university or yeah. I feel like it comes up all the time or even medical forms. Every time I've gotten a vaccine here, I had to fill it out. Um, it asks for your race as part of the um, demographic um, mm. information. You usually have to fill that out in Germany, too. It's like, you know, what's your gender? Um, what's your age? Or, yeah, if you want to give your age. And then here on top of that, they usually ask for your race. <laughs> it comes in categories, like five categories or so. And that was very shocking to me. And then in addition to that, people here also seem to think in those categories more, mm -hmm. which makes sense if you're always dealing with it. Um, and I remember specifically, even with you, Josh, there was a situation where I think we were talking about a person that we both knew and you said something along the lines of, oh, is, is she the half black person? Uh. And I and I literally I was like, huh. And I, th I had to think about it because I, I didn't even know. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess she probably is. But so I, I, I don't really like to this day, I can't tell what race a person is because I didn't grow up with that. And I often can take apart um, Latinas and like people who are half black or something like that. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really matter to me either. Yeah. But and it's it, a whole thing that that takes like that. That's the thing. Like sometimes you should um, think about it because. Exactly. It's, and that yeah. It's also important for racism. But anyway, I want to wrap this topic up for now because I know I've gone like way too far and like gone on a whole monologue. <laughs> no, I, I should have been taking notes because I, I want to add my comments, but I didn't want to interrupt you. We can we can now up. we can go into every detail of these things because actually yeah. I have more to say on each of these things <laughs> um, because, of course, I don't I don't want to make it sound like it's just black and white or whatever because yeah. uh, as I said like it is also important to um, acknowledge different races especially Pretty in the US so. and with the history and to acknowledge racism and things like that but that's something that I had to get used to and that's just what I wanted to say so I'm giving throwing the ba the ball back to you <laughs> I, I think there are two big things based off of the points that you just made which I would agree with a lot of them but my lived experience being what was the word you used earlier culturalized uh, <laughs> No, that wasn't a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but being, what's the word we use? Socialized in the U.S.? Socialized, yeah. Um, I <laughs> That's do, what I, I meant. <laughs> I do catch myself um, thinking more in those in those categories, um, which is not something that I personally like. Um, but I wanted to comment that, like you were saying, there, there are obviously 
situations where it makes sense to track uh, ethnicity data and minority data um, to make sure that people are getting equal access to to services or um yeah, I mean, it, it, there are legitimate cases in where it should, in my opinion, should be should be tracked to to make sure that equality or equity is is is. Oh my gosh, I can't think in English. Is given. Is given. Yeah, I mean, is <laughs> is, is present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I just was thinking about this too. I, this has happened twice with uh, Spanish people I know, like from Spain, um, and. I mean, you can tell normally when someone looks like a Southern European, like Italians or, or or Iberian people, they tend to have like olive oil skin and darker hair. Um, and it's it, through, throughout conversations, I realized that in the U.S., people would probably call them Latinos, mm-hmm. but they're, they consider themselves, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm just quote unquote white. Yeah. Um, which is just an interest. It's so trivial and so... Yeah doesn't matter in the end yeah. but how two people can look at the same person and understand the situation very differently based off of where they they were raised and what what the environment was around them when it came to categorizing people absolutely um so i thought that was just an interesting experience and then taking an even further step back away from race yeah. and back to the uh, the top original of topic of, yes <laughs> yeah. of ancestry i think some of the fascination that we have in the us about our ancestry comes from the fact that the us is so far removed from the european countries that a lot of immigrants came from and obviously not only european immigrants came to the us i mean um, you have African immigrants, and then you have people who were brought to the U.S. as slaves um, right. at, from Africa, um, and then the rest of the world. I mean, but the U.S. is geographically very distant from a lot of the places that people came from. Yeah. So I think people are looking for a way to f- relate back to these other countries that they came from and these other cultures that, at least when I lived in the U.S., I saw as more interesting um there was so much variety yeah. and and so much history in the cultures yeah. as opposed to the U.S. where everything was kind of boring, new. Right. Um, so I think that also maybe plays into the fascination that people have is they're looking for a connection back to yeah. um, this more interesting way of life that could have been theirs had their families yeah. not left. And they like they would they think it's cool that maybe they're Italian or like one of exactly. those things. Yeah, because then they can identify with the cool things that happen in Italy or like the culture, the food, the language. The, I, yeah, the fettuccine I, I, I Alfredo. <laughs> that aren't, aren't actually Italian. Um, but yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I mean, I have gotten used to it over time. Like now I know that when someone says, oh, I'm German, like they misunderstand what I'm saying, basically. Um and then I have to clarify, I have to be like, no, I, I'm actually from Germany. I grew up mm-hmm. there. I went to school there. I went to college there, all those things. And then they're like, oh, the, you know, then the whole like spiel comes into place where I have to explain what, why I'm here and why I speak such good English, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but what sometimes happens, this doesn't happen a whole lot, but that's still kind of, I don't know, cr- cringy. I don't know if cringy is the right word, but it kind of, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I know they don't mean anything bad by it. It just happened last week again and that's why I'm even thinking about this is um, sometimes people then speak of Germans and then say we like there was a person there who had German ancestry Mm -hmm. and I don't Mm -hmm. actually don't remember what he was talking about maybe he was even just talking about sports but like the national team or something like that because I know like of course people will say we when they talk about their club that they're rooting for but it was something else or maybe it was like 
political move or something about the whole country of Germany. Like, mm. and and I was there. I was present. And this person said yeah. we. And I know that they are not actually, they weren't born in Germany. Right? They don't speak German, nothing like that. And that was mm-hmm. just kind of, I wasn't mad at them or anything, but it just felt like, I don't know if we're a we. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you have German ancestry, but I don't know if you're really one of us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, No, that, that would make me uncomfortable too, I think. <laughs> or not uncomfortable, just kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of the thing I think that rubs some Europeans or people from yeah. those countries the wrong way is when... They kind of, not all people do that, of course, but some people almost make it seem like, oh, we're the same. Oh, we're both German. And where it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, yeah, of course you have that German ancestry. And maybe I'm sure that is in your genes somewhere. And maybe even culturally that has carried over mm-hmm. through the generations. But honestly, in most cases, it it hasn't that much. Yeah. In most cases, maybe like there's a family recipe that has carried over. But in most mm-hmm. cases, the language has been lost like generations ago um and it's like even if that's the case that doesn't like make us that much alike you know like you're still from Mm. this continent and you were raised in this culture and i personally don't believe that genes connect you all that much like Mm -hmm. i think that your environment is like really um what makes a person and the culture that they grow up with and the language like all those other factors and that's just sometimes you know it's just weird to deal with as someone from that country to be kind of thrown into the same group with those people. And they think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm German. Um, I get to claim all the all that culture mm-hmm. as my own. And that's that feels a little weird being from that country. And I'm not even trying to say like, oh, you can't you guys can't say that anymore. Like if yeah. any of our listeners do that, I mean, go ahead. If, if it makes you feel good. I'm just saying basically from my perspective, it just sometimes... I get. I don't get mad, as I said, but it just feels a little off, a little wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I and I actually see what you're saying. I have, for whatever reason, I haven't like done the thought exercise um, of thinking. Okay, what if someone? Because it's it happens very rarely with with the U.S. when you're abroad, right. and someone says like, "Oh, I'm American," because we are a country that's made up of people for the most part, besides Native Americans, that came there. Yeah. So we, we're always referring to where we came from. But if someone who grew up outside of the U.S., um, really didn't have any connection to the U.S. as far as, like, language or their parents being from there, was like, oh, yeah, I'm American, too. It would make me uncomfortable. I would be like, okay, I mean, like, sure. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe, like, what if he said something like, he would, like, turn to you and say, like, oh, us Americans, we do this and that like he would kind of like put yeah, you guys in one group. it would make me uncomfortable like <laughs> yeah. not not necessarily in a bad way but just like yeah of course it's not supposed sure. to be like discriminating or anything yeah, like that no. it's more just like that um it just seems so i think you said that earlier so trivial so random of like oh are are we uh, yeah are we a we <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> especially really if you a don't connection? Grow- <laughs> Especially because, like you said, I really think it, it comes down to where you are socialized, and like, yeah. and I've noticed that more and more. Like talking t- since I live with uh, an international mishmash of people, like it's it's so different. Each country has their own education system, yeah. and it, it's so those are so Im- such impactful years of your life that um, that that I think is more important than quote unquote what your ancestry is or what what race you are or whatever that may be. Um, And it's actually something that I also deal with um, 
in a professional way, quote mm-hmm. unquote professional, um, with like all my YouTube um, content and even with this podcast, because a large part of my audience is German Americans is what I like to refer mm-hmm. to them as. So like basically yeah. instead of saying, oh, they're they're Germans, like they're German Americans, meaning um, most of them are Americans with German ancestry that lies back a, a few generations. Yeah. Some of them, of course, have like rather recent German ancestry, but most of them have that like typical thing what we talked about their ancestors came in the 19th or 18th century from Germany to the US and then they're super interested in their ancestry which is mm-hmm. cool um, and they did all the research and maybe even did like family research and went to Germany and looked into old mm-hmm. records and things like that maybe even picked up the language again and have that interest there um, but that's like a different group and I basically um, I differentiate between the German, modern Germans yeah. and those people. German those Americans. are German, German Americans. And it's also the case here with organizations. So like there is a lot of German American organizations um, in the U.S. and specifically in the Cincinnati area. We have a lot because this is a very traditionally German area. There were, I think the most common ancestry in the Cincinnati area is German. Um, so. Yeah, a lot of German settlers settled here. This is part of the so-called German Triangle in the Midwest between Mm -hmm. um, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and St. Louis. So, yeah, there's a lot of organizations here that have, like, festivals, you know, like Schützenfest and Oktoberfest and Maifest, and some celebrate Fasching and Karneval and those kinds of things. And those celebrations, in my mind, also, like, they, of course, think, oh, this this is German food, this is a German celebration. To me... I basically put it into the category of this is German-American. And this also has a right to exist, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same as modern German culture. And a lot of it goes back to like older German culture from like 150, 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's super cool. But in a lot of cases, it's just not what you would do in Germany, what you would eat, how you would dress, you know, yeah. what, how you would host a festival. Um, for example, just two like food examples that they have here a lot. That of course people <coughs> refer beer to cheese. <laughs> that wasn't even part of it. Oh really? But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of geta and sauerkraut balls. Yeah. Sauerkraut balls um, that people think are German foods. Um, but they're not. I think those two are actually pretty specific to this region. So mm-hmm. if you're American from another part of the country, you might not know what I'm talking about. So Geta is spelled G-O-E-T-T-A and is basically some kind of sausage that's like mixed with oats. And mm-hmm. is there other stuff in there, too? I think it's I, to be, I'm sure there's lots of spices, <laughs> but it's essentially when yeah. it comes down to sausage and, and oats mixed together. Yeah. And then basically... Um, I feel like the way it's served usually is almost like a patty. Like it's like mm-hmm. a big, um, big piece that's then fried in the pan. Usually, yeah. Right? Those are, that's something that you don't find in Germany are the mm-hmm. sleeves of sausage. Yeah, that's not um, sausage to us, really. Exactly. So that's <laughs> that in the U.S. That's what is very common. You'll get like a sleeve of sausage. Maybe we can find a picture of it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you just can cut off a slice and then fry it in a pan. Yeah. So basically what it looks like, it looks more like a hamburger patty to yeah. me. Like that's kind of what I would the, describe the shape as. Of course, me as a vegetarian, I really can't give you that much more information about Geta. I've never had it. I wouldn't <laughs> really be able good. to compare it to other foods in Germany. I know that technically it does have a German origin, like apparently a very regional dish that was then brought over by German immigrants. And then because they basically... Um, do you say you, they cut it with oats? Like yeah. strecken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. They cut it with oats. So they, they, yeah, they cut it with oats and other things. I think they used mainly the bad meat leftovers at the time because they were like mainly poor German immigrants or just immigrants from other countries even that needed food that was cheap. So what they would do to get to be able to eat meat is like take all the food leftovers um, and then add oats to it. And then that's why... Geta became such a popular thing here. And it's not 100% the same recipe still, because as I said, they yeah. kind of adapted um, adapted it. But now it's a, it's a huge thing here in the Cincinnati area. And everyone thinks, or most people think, that it's a German dish. But nope, if you go to Germany and ask for Geta, nobody will know what you're talking yeah. about. I think the original version where it originates from is called Grützwurst. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And then another thing um, is sauerkraut balls that I feel like a lot of Americans also think I would love. And I'm, do you miss all the sauerkraut balls from home or do you miss the sauerkraut where it's like, nope, I don't miss the sauerkraut because I almost never eat. Why do I <laughs> say it's so American? I don't eat sauerkraut a whole lot in Germany, maybe like once a year or like even less than that, honestly. Um, if anything, I eat more of the red cabbage, the blaukraut or rotkraut. Um, yeah. But in the U.S., of course, I feel like that's so typical. They have taken the sauerkraut and then they fry it. They deep fry it. And then it's basically like... <laughs> it is pretty like good, a, though. I don't like it. I've only <laughs> ever tried it once. I did not like it. <laughs> um, so it's basically sauerkraut and then it has a fried shell around it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of random, I feel I like. I think it's really tasty. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, fried grew pickles up with too, it. and yeah, I mean they're yeah. they're all that's all my childhood right there. So yeah, um, but you can tell like by those kinds of things, like the Americans here really, really celebrate their ancestry, their German mm -hmm. ancestry, but also their other ancestry. There's Italian fests mm -hmm. happening. Um, are there like Irish festivals around mm -hmm. here? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Especially, I think there's a big Irish festival in, in Dayton. Okay. Um, oh, and then, place. of course, there is St. Patrick's Day that is celebrated all over the country, of course. And that we is even also, celebrated it together. <laughs> we did. Um, that's like, yeah, I, I honestly didn't even think about that at first because it's more yeah. of this like big commercial thing. But, mm -hmm. of course, on St. Patrick's Day, people who have Irish ancestry also like talk about it. And isn't there even a rule that if you have Irish an ancestry, you there isn't there something like a party rule where like, other people buy you a drink or oh, you get I, I don't to... know about that my ah, like okay. I was always more focused on the German uh side of my my family history which was very uh saddening to my uh, grandma who's more on the Irish side of things mm -hmm. but I think it was her grandparents who um who came here but she she didn't know them uh and they my 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 great grandmother, so my grandma's mom, uh, she used to always throw a huge um, St. Patrick's Day party mm -hmm. and like sing the songs that she used to sing with her family. And so like there are still a lot of connections to Ireland in that sense, but it's it's very very similar to the situation that you have with the German Americans. You have the Irish Americans, right? Um, and I think that I really do think that's the best way to describe them is describe themselves as Irish-American, German-American. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to talk a little bit as well about how this is a very, when we talk about ancestry and being interested in your ancestry, there's a cool uh, show called Finding Your Roots mm -hmm. um, that's on PBS in the U.S. with Dr., I think his name is Henry Louis Gates. Um, and he sits down with celebrities and they go through their family ancestry. So, like, I know he's done it with Amy Schumer Andy Samberg, um, 
with a lot of other famous people as well. Uh, and it's super interesting because they go through these stories of how their family ended up in, in the U.S. and where they're originally from. And a, a lot of people don't know the stories. Yeah. Um, but he's also he also does stories with African-Americans. Um, and one thing I've realized through that is how privileged I am to know where what countries my my family came from. And I mm-hmm. have some connection even. Well, I mean, for me, I guess it's a pretty huge connection since I live in Germany now. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'm able to have that connection with my ancestry and where my family came from, which isn't the case for a lot of African-Americans and black people in the U.S. Yeah. Um, because they were stolen from their home country and then brought here with very little records. Yeah. Um, they don't even know what their family, tr- quote unquote, true family name is oftentimes. Yeah, because um, so they then had to um, take their master's last mm-hmm. name in a lot of cases, right? Yeah. It's like so, the white family who owned them, they would take their last name exactly so i just wanted to mention that as well that uh for white americans for most white americans it's something that i feel like we don't think about um Mm. and it's like a huge thing that we um are taught into our ancestry and oh the germans and the the italians or whatever it may be um but for for black people in the u.s and obviously it's not everyone because i have quite a few friends who whose families moved from africa more recently and they have a a huge connection to where they're from um and the food is so good. I love Nigerian food. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I just wanted to mention that as well. That that's yeah. also can be a, a difficult topic for a lot of people in the U.S. Absolutely. Um, I actually want to get back to that here in a second when I want to get back to that whole race topic. But one more thing that just came to my mind when you just talked about the last names is that I feel like that's also such a big reason why people maybe still identify with that ancestry so mm-hmm. much and even start digging is because a lot of people here do have that German or Italian or French or whatever la- or Irish or Scottish, or, you know, like, blah, 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 et cetera, last yeah. name, um, like you do, for example. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned this before. You have a German last name, and that was one of the reasons why you were mm-hmm. um, interested in maybe learning that language and learning German. Um, and I feel like a lot of people have that, too. And then they they kind of know that they mispronounce their la- own last yeah. name. And I know that I get that question a lot by German-Americans who then ask me, hey, how would you actually pronounce this last name in German? Because, like, of course, we like we pronounce it the American way, probably completely mispronounce it. But it's the same with, like, French last names that I feel like I yeah. um, uh, come across every now and then where I feel like, oh, that's so funny that they pronounce it like that. Because, like, me as a, as a German, we have some French words in our language and we're just very used to pronouncing them the French way. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I, 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 there was one uh, French family, actually, at my high school. The parents yeah. were from France, but the kids grew up uh, mm-hmm. with me and their last name was we called them terrier <laughs> but it would be terrier. Terrier. Uh-huh. yeah and yeah it's just funny sometimes the pronunciations that end up arising out of these yeah. these uh cultural last names like yeah. i even think of uh, frau könig my german yeah. teacher um, no one says könig or even könig it's mm-hmm. koenig Oh, I never even thought about that. That yeah. didn't even come up in our episode with her. No, so people call her K- Mrs. Koenig. And not Koenig? Or no. like, interesting. People say Koenig. Does she go with the O-E spelling? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's also um, all these brands and companies here in the area that used to be German, but then are like mispronounced. So for example, Kroger, oh. I think was like, was it Kruger? I think it was, yeah, I think it was Kruger. 
probably. Yeah, so like basically they just dropped the umlaut and now it's pronounced Kroger or even the architect of the Roebling Suspension Bridge here that also designed the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. His name, well, he's pronounced, the bridge is pronounced Roebling in yeah. English, Roebling Bridge. But of course it was O-E, so in German it would be pronounced Röbling. The same um, goes for Moorline, right? Right, It should yep. be Moorline. That's a brewery here. Yeah, all those, there's like so many examples, like honestly yeah. countless examples for this. Um, and I mean, I've honestly gotten used to it by now to like mispronouncing all these names. Uh -huh. But at first it was really weird. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, to be. me, it's normal if something looks German. Of course, I want to pronounce it German because that's my native language. And then I have to basically think, oh, how would they mispronounce it here? <laughs> that happened to me actually today at work. Um, I was calling someone whose last name was Smith, mm -hmm. um, but he was German. Oh, so was, I was it like, Smith? So I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to... Because I like, what do I call him? Yeah. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, Smith. That Smith. sounds wrong. But, it, but if he's also not... If he doesn't speak much English or if he truly... I didn't know him, but I was I was reaching out to him. And I just wasn't sure. Luck, luckily, he didn't answer, so I didn't have that problem. <laughs> uh, but it definitely went through my brain. I was like, oh my gosh. Do I, pronounce, do I go hard American and call him Mr. Smith? Yeah. Honestly, that's probably what I would do. If you yeah. want my advice on that, I feel like even as a German, that last name in German, Smith, I've never heard that before. I mean, yeah. obviously Schmidt exists, but if it's not spelled with S-C-H, then even my first impression would just be like, oh, it's Smith. Like okay. it's an English last name. <laughs> no. Like you mean the German pronunciation of the TH? <laughs> yeah. What you wouldn't do would just be Smith. Smith. No, I yes. wouldn't. But I mean, how how um, unfortunate would it be if that person struggles with pronouncing the TH and their last name is Smith? <laughs> that would be rough. That would suck. That would be difficult. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I think you're right with the last name being something that really gets people interested as well. Yeah. I think so. Um, well, okay, now, as I said, I kind of wanted to circle back to all the things that I brought up earlier. And mm -hmm. I know I've mentioned a lot of this before in the episode with Jay, I think, Jay Samuels. Yeah. Um, who is, um, he grew up in both countries and he's half American, half German, and he's also half black. So, like, we kind of talked about that whole race um, topic with him. I've also mentioned it in some of my videos several times. So if you watch my YouTube videos, you probably know about this. And I mentioned it earlier. So like when I first came here, I was really shocked about this whole categorizing yourself into a human race. Because, of course, I grew up with the idea that there's only one human race and human races aren't a thing. Now, as I said, this is the thing on a lot of different forms. For me, of course, it's usually pretty easy. Like, um, it usually comes with about five or six different options. Um, so they're usually white or Caucasian, then black or African American. It can, like every form is a little bit different, so it kind of depends. Then American Indian or Alaska Native, Asian, and Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander. Those are usually the races. And then on top of that, you usually have to choose your ethnicity, which you can only usually choose between Hispanic and non-Hispanic, which has a whole historical background why that is the case. But let, let me start at the beginning. So to me as a German, of course, that at first that felt like so wrong that that was on mm. a form because, you know, to us with the whole Nazi background, that just seems like racism at its best. That just seems like, what, what do you mean? I have to classify myself as white. And yeah. at the time, I also, of course, I like knew a little bit of American pop culture, but I also didn't really realize that even those races 
are part of pop culture here too so basically like saying something is typical white or like a white man like um mm-hmm. kind of or you know like um white do you know behavior. Bo Burnham do you know hmm? Bo Burnham white woman's no. Instagram I'll have to no. show it to you later <laughs> um you know or like things are known as typically like culturally black or like things that black people too and, and some of that of course is racism but some of that is also like things that black people actually establish themselves because it's part of their culture so like it's kind of I, I wasn't used to this whole mix of like this race category which to me just seemed wrong as I said and then but it's also part of everyday life it's not it doesn't only take place on those forms it also kind of transfers over in everyday life but that's kind of that's going a little bit too far so let's go back to those forms so to me that would definitely 100% be illegal to even ask for that in Germany. And then, of course, I, first of all, I wondered, how can you even categorize humans in five or six different human races? That seems impossible. And as you said earlier, Josh, trivial, because like, in some cases, like for you and I, it's kind of easy. Okay, we're white, we're boring. Like, if you're from originally from Europe, for example, you are just white. But most people aren't that just that like most people are a wild mix of things right and especially with the categories of asian like i don't understand like asia is such a big country how does that make any sense like people there look so different and are from different cultures and countries um i feel like i don't know if any especially sorry just to say especially considering that in the uk if you refer to someone as asian you also are referring to indians Mm-hmm. Like people from India or Pakistan, the Indian yeah, subcontinent. I mean, that is, yeah, for, it's part of the Asian continent. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which in the US, you would never call someone who's from India or Pakistan Asian. Did we ask Sheffi when we did the episode with her what she um, checks? Which, like, what, I don't what think we did. box do Indians check? Because I don't, that's the thing. Like, I don't understand how there's only five or six options. And then in some cases, it's like an option to say, I don't want to. I don't want to say which, which race I am, or you can cross other and add yeah. it. But still, I feel like that the fact that those categories are there already puts that categorization in your head and yeah. in people's head. And the thing is, this starts pretty early in the U.S. Like even I think as kids, people oftentimes have to put themselves in that category. And I'm just wondering how this does that feel to someone who is a mix of several races mm-hmm they always have to make basically make that part of their identity even though they're just a child they should just think that they're human they shouldn't think oh i'm half this and half that and that makes me a minority you know what i'm saying yeah Um, that was just a very new idea to me now Mm -hmm. of course i asked all my questions to people in the u.s and i did my research and i do understand what you said earlier josh that most of these forms are actually there this question is asked to ensure diversity so yeah. the the opposite of racism and discrimination it's actually there to ensure that um all these different human races <laughs> i still struggle saying that are represented in whatever this is maybe with whether it's a survey or um you know university enrollment um some people even get like privileges because of that there's like certain quotas sometimes where this actually matters that there's mm-hmm. a certain quota of african americans that are represented um i want to say that native americans even get like things for free and stuff right um, uh, i'm i'm not sure but there there are oftentimes programs for yeah. Uh, minority communities, Native Americans being included. Yeah, which it, I mean is is cool, and then I feel like that's the least <laughs> um, the United States of America yeah. can can do to them, or can do for them. Um, but 
still, it's, yeah, it, it was just a weird thing for me to get used to. And I still sometimes struggle with this because I ha I still have this like ambivalent view at this whole topic because I feel like on the one hand, yes, it's good that that is recognized and that diversity um, is pursued and that you recognize where the minorities are and how much of each minority is represented. Um, and as, as I said earlier, I learned, especially throughout like Black Lives Matter and 2020 and all of that, I learned how the U.S. just has such a different history from Germany. I mean, I obviously mm -hmm. knew that before, but just racism in Germany and racism in the U.S. is just so different. You can hardly yeah. compare because in the U.S. it's a historical phenomenon. It's systemic. It's been part of this country's DNA forever. And it's more than just... Um, social discrimination it's it's way more than that and like of course especially african americans who are descendants of american slaves have their whole own like identity that we mm -hmm. we don't have that kind of group of people in germany at least yeah. not in the same way as um african americans here but then again what you said earlier like i find it so weird like that there's a category of black slash african american but as you said culturally that could mean anything like a black person could be african american as in when I say African-American, I usually think, yeah, descendant of a slave. So like has been in this country for a long time. Mm -hmm. But they could also be straight from Africa, like first generation Nigerian, as you said. Or they could be from France or they could be from yeah. an Asian country. Like there are so many black people all over the world like that have black or dark skin. Yeah. Um, and that just, you know, also seems so weird to me. But on the one hand, I understand that this has to be recognized. On the other hand, I still feel like. I don't know if it's the right message to send um, that people grow up with these categories when they're very little and always are always used to making these differences between people. Because as I said, I never did that growing up in Germany. I'm sure other people do. Like, I'm sure not every German is like me, but I genuinely did not see skin color or like especially race like that because I didn't even know. I didn't know what human races that there were because I, I feel like there are not, no human races. To me, it was like everyone had a specific background, of course. And like, I would never have put people into categories like that. Um, and so now I do that more because I have been socialized in the U.S. a little bit through all these yeah. forms and through all these discussions. And by being part of this culture where that is brought up, I mean, even by the people themselves, like people identify themselves as black or Asian or like, you know, these categories. Um, and I don't know if I like that, like you said earlier, like, I don't know if um, I like that that pops up into my head now more than it used to, like, even mm -hmm. with, I, I used to have like, you know, black roommates, and I remember my, I would just talk to my parents about them, and they couldn't always keep up with all the names of all of my roommates. So my dad would be like, like I described my one roommate I was like oh yeah she's the one you met like she was the one who said this and this or like she's the one who we went to the graduation with like you know I would describe her mm -hmm. and he was like oh she's the black girl I was like oh yeah I guess yeah I guess so that doesn't mm -hmm. even like pop into my mind at first and now it does more um so yeah I think that's what I was kind of trying to say I still feel ambivalent about it even though I, I see the point of it I guess yeah it's interesting because for me it's a little bit of the flip side uh mm -hmm. like I think because I do recognize how how embedded um, racism or the, just this, this the thoughts of, or the thought process of keeping defining people by race is um, built into me based off of the way that I grew up in the U.S. 
Um, I do try to avoid using skin color as the main way of describing someone because um, I don't like that. I mean, there people are more than just their skin color, obviously. So like, why am I going for that necessarily? Yes, it is convenient and easy because people know, but I, I think it's, it's it sometimes can be trivial. I don't know how I feel about that necessarily, but that's just something in my, in my thought process that I've become aware of at least we'll say. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to say as well is it's a little bit of a catch 22, the topic that you were just talking about where, what's that on mean? The, uh, so a, a catch-22 is a problematic situation for which the only solution is denied by a circumstance inherent in the problem or by a rule. Okay, so, that didn't help me that much, but just go on. <laughs> so essentially what, a ca- what I'm trying to say, and this is the perfect example of a catch-22. Mm-hmm. So because we recognize that there is racism um, from whatever history there has been, you have to put things in place to try to counteract that racism and right. and adjust for the injustices and the inequities of the past. Hence, us implementing these type of forms. The pure existence of these forms, though, perpetuates the history of racism yep. and the inequities. Yeah, and so it's a Teufelskreis. Yeah, Teufelskreis. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it, you, you end up in this, in this cycle that by trying to fix the problem, you perpetuate the problem. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the answer is, and I know you don't know what the answer no, is. No, I don't. Uh, I'm not even saying like it's co- like per se just bad that the U.S. has this. Yeah. It was just completely new to me. Exactly. And even though I understand its purpose, I still don't know if it's the best solution. And I wish that there would be a way to solve this without putting these categories into people's heads. Because mm-hmm. as yeah, you said, I, it's a Teufelskreis. It's going to reinforce those categories. Exactly. So I, I mean, I, I agree with you in that in that regard for sure. I think. The most important thing is for people to have friends that aren't like them and understand to try to put yourself in another person's shoes, you know, as best as possible. Um, There's a controversial um, racism expert or she is known for her brown eye, blue eye experiment. Her name is Jane Elliott. Um, And I just it's I think I'm is she the like um, teacher? uh-huh. Like yeah, yeah. the like older kind of older lady, like gray uh-huh. hair. Yeah, I think I know her. She can be rather militant in her approach, mm-hmm. but I think I agree with a lot of the stuff that she says um, personally. And I think if you guys are interested in this topic and just trying to make yourself aware of racism, I think that's a great, uh, great resource. Watch some of the videos on her that you can find on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is a kind of a never ending circle that uh, is a catch-22. <laughs> yeah. So basically, obviously, this episode wasn't supposed to be about race and racism in the U.S. Because that's a whole, like, there is, like, so many yeah. books about this topic. And, like, we are obviously not the experts on this. Um, it's just, you know, something that I started learning more about being in this country because it's just the topic exists. Of course, I'm, like, not trying to say that racism and discrimination doesn't exist in Germany. Because, of course, that is also a problem that we deal with mm-hmm. in Germany. But it's just... It shows itself in very different ways, I feel like. And it's just, it has a very different background in the U.S. And in Germany, I feel like at least nowadays, with the exception of certain neo-Nazis and people like that, most of racism and discrimination goes back to religion and immigration status or like immigration background, more so Mm -hmm. than just pure color of skin, which of course also happens. But it's mostly because people think, oh, this person looks like they're in Syrian 
um, refugee and I, I hate them. I don't like immigrants, you know, like just very uh, close minded people who then therefore discriminate against people. But I feel like it just has more of a background of immigration and religion and things like that rather than just straight up human races, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think it's it's hard to figure out exactly where the main differentiation yeah, is, but I yeah. think I think the biggest thing is how have the non-white communities ended up in each culture, mm-hmm. you know? Um yeah. and yeah, it's 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 a huge topic and I don't want us to get too deep yeah. into no, it. No, and I'm also not trying to like claim oh this is this is the way it is or anything like that. Yeah, this yeah, is no, just kind of, of how not. I would describe it from my personal perception Mm -hmm. overall as a generalization Um, one thing that I just realized that I didn't explain and I'm just gonna get back to that super quickly because Mm -hmm. um, people might have questions about this is that we said that there's race on those forms and then ethnicity and ethnicity only differentiates between Hispanic and non-Hispanic which I obviously found super weird at first because like ethnicity yeah ethnicity is actually the term that I can identify with more than human race Um, but of course there are so many ethnicities in this world and just like summarizing it super briefly it seems to have a historical background in the U.S. where basically specifically Mexicans but also other um, Hispanic people wanted they wanted that themselves and they were granted that they would um, legally pass as white so like on those forms they were able to claim that they are white like their race is white which was would then grant them certain privileges Um, there was even a time in the U.S. where you couldn't have U.S. citizenship unless you were white Mm. Um, things like that and from what I read please don't like hold me accountable to all the details about this but I think that um, the U.S. basically even promised that to the Mexicans when they took over part of their land that they would get citizenship and all those privileges and therefore the Mexican people and I think other Latinx people as well won it that legal white status. But then in order to still consider them in the statistics, they added that ethnicity thing where it was like, okay, so even if you checked white, are you Hispanic or non-Hispanic, basically. But also um, you could have checked any other category in the first of the race so like even a black person can pass as hispanic therefore so it's kind of yeah i don't know it's kind of random (laughs) i mean that brings us back to the point like if many many dominicans for example and puerto ricans people in the caribbean have very i mean they're black too i mean there's so there's such a large population that um and so many people from asia yeah from sri lanka or like you know (laughs) yeah it's it's (laughs) It can be mind-boggling sometimes and it's frustrating. So, it's but. so random. But basically, that's the explanation as to why there is a specific mm-hmm. Hispanic and non-Hispanic category that's basically just it has to do with American history um, and rights that the Hispanic people fought for that now, of course, Hispanic people don't want to be passing as white anymore. Usually, like, people yeah. are proud of their heritage now, but that was a different time in history. Yeah, it's just interesting that all of it seems like these these categories have come to be in the US through a lot of social justice pushes people trying to rectify the situation but like i said just kind of ending up in this catch 22 where it can yeah. somewhat perpetuate but i would be yeah. really interested in knowing what other people i mean we're two white people uh, yeah. talking about the subject as well so if I, I would be interested in the comment section and uh in and on instagram and whatnot getting people's feedback about how they see the situation um because i Absolutely. i, I, I I mean, these are just our two perspectives um, and our two lived experiences. And we are by no means saying that we have a monopoly on what the best way to do things or even how to view the situation. So um, I definitely would 
enjoy you guys letting us know in the comments what you think. Yeah, even like for me, of course, I don't represent every German's view on the topic. Yeah. And I just kind of try to explain the difference, how I, I think that I said that earlier, but just to mm -hmm. make it clear again, how I perceive the that whole topic um, growing up in Germany. And of course, that is also differs from region to region, from generation to generation, maybe even like my personal upbringing, how my parents raised me. As I said, I went to a school with like a lot of people from different cultures. So maybe I'm even a little bit more open than the average German is to this, or mm -hmm. maybe I experienced less discrimination because I was just immersed in the whole multicultural um, yeah. part of Germany and not every city or neighborhood or village in Germany is that open, of course. So what I'm trying to say is that was just my personal experience. That does not represent every other German's experience. And especially to our German listeners and viewers, I would like to know if you somewhat agree with my perception, if you kind of knew what I meant, what I said in this episode, or if you completely disagree and have completely different experiences. If so, please um, head over to YouTube or if you're already on YouTube, just comment down below. Let us know. Um, send us a message on Instagram. We actually just recently cleaned up our Instagram inbox. So like for all of you yes. who've maybe waited for a response for a few weeks well, we haven't really been that active on Instagram recently but we um, made sure that we went through all of the messages so we're up to date now we're going to read your messages if you send us one on there um, and I would actually also like to maybe even um, bring it into one of our next episodes or share it on Instagram or on one of those platforms basically share your guys's opinions yeah. and stories and um, include it into our future content in one way or the other. I think that would be a great idea, especially because I feel like this episode has been pretty heavy um, America focused or yeah. US focused when it comes to especially racism. But this was this was supposed to be about ancestry. <laughs> ancestry. I'm sorry. I kind of <laughs> no. took it in their direction. It's okay. But but I mean, I, I find both topics, they're, they're somewhat inter intertwined. A little. So I think, I think that's how we ended up very US uh, centric is because ancestry is such a bigger topic in the US than it is Germany. But it would be interesting to hear, like I said, your perspectives that aren't necessarily U.S. centric. Yeah. And um, also about the topic of ancestry itself, too. Like mm -hmm. if maybe you're um, German and you feel like, no, what are you, what are you talking about, Feely? Like ancestry is totally important to me. And I have done yeah. a DNA test because, of course, some Germans do that, too. I almost did it. Um, I actually I was about to do it. And then I did some more research, like you said earlier uh, at the beginning of the episode. And then I decided that I don't think I need to know bad enough because I pretty much know my ancestry um, that I don't think I want a company to own my DNA because you never know what they're going to do with it in the future. So I was kind of like, you know what? I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. And one thing I forgot to mention that I wanted to just make sure that we included in this episode too is it's very, very common in American families, not not just white American families, but also black American families. There's just like this thread of everyone thinks that they have like one sixty-fourth Native American in their uh, family. Okay. Uh, and that was like a, a, a thing in our family as well. Um, where we're like, oh, yeah, our great, 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 great grandmother, she was Cherokee. Okay. Uh, and I've heard that from a lot of people uh, mm -hmm. that everyone says, oh, yeah, we have a Cherokee, uh, uh, what, whatever it may be, uh, relative in the past. Uh, unfortunately, after doing the test, that wasn't the case. And I think that those type of testing uh, options have, have really ruined a lot of people's narratives about having yeah. Native American uh, connections. Yeah. Um, I actually also have one more thing to say. Sorry, guys. We're like, oh, we're going to wrap it up. And then it's like, oh, never mind. We have like two more things to say. But um, just one more thing about those tests. Um, those can be fairly accurate, I think. But also, I mean, be careful when you take those, those tests because from 
my personal just like research, I'm not an expert in this, but from what it seems like, those aren't always 100% accurate. I've of seen course. like countless examples where like identical twins had different results, even though they should have been exactly the same results. And, you know, just like things that didn't seem to make sense in some cases. So I don't think um, you can 100% rely on those results, especially yeah. considering that those are um, capitalist companies. Like they're not necessarily doing this for research purposes. So like who knows how how much, you know, how accurate they're actually conducting those tests. But um, definitely an interesting thing. And I, I would still like to know what mine would have said, but, you know, I'm not going to do that for now. Um, So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We're looking forward to reading all of your comments and messages about the topic. Um, And, yeah, we will be back in two weeks on Thursday with a new episode. In the meantime, you obviously know you can subscribe and leave us a review even on um, Spotify. I mentioned that, like, a few weeks ago, I think, for the first time. And then I don't think I've mentioned that a whole lot, but we actually got quite a few reviews on Spotify. And I'm very impressed. I need Thank to you check guys them out. for that. I haven't looked at yeah. Them. I think we've almost gotten like 200 views, reviews on oh, Spotify. Wow. And, you know, we're not that, that big of a podcast. Um, so that's actually really cool. Keep doing that, guys. Keep leaving us those reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can even write like a whole like review on Spotify. I think it's just the stars, the mm-hmm. rating. It's not a review, it's a rating. And then, of course, on YouTube, you can subscribe. You can give us a thumbs up, like all those cool things. And if you want to support us beyond that, you can even join our Patreon family on patreon.com slash understanding train station we even had another patreon hangout a couple days ago that was very very full and very interesting actually we just basically talked about all the last three episodes and like um you know got to get everyone's feedback on those topics in real life in person so that's actually a really nice way of communicating with you guys so if you want to join that patreon family you can do so um there's different tiers that you can join so it's basically like you donate money to us monthly but you can as i said you can pick between different money tiers and then you can get stuff in return from us so yeah thank you guys so much for your support and you will hear from us in two weeks see you then cheers ciao